welcome to the show. Very happy to have you here. I wanted to invite you because I went to the Biohacker Summit last year and you made me realize that sex is a big part of our health. I was not aware of that. And you said, I think you said literally, sex is a primal force we have to take care of. And I hope that we can have a good talk about that today. But first, I would like you to introduce yourself to the listener. Who is Anna Lind and how did you end up here? Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about diving deep into the topic of sex and biohacking intimacy and connection. And to the question, who is Anna Lind for? I feel like that's what I'm figuring out. We're all figuring out who we are, who we are becoming. Every day we discover something new. But just to give you a brief background, professionally, you know, my background is in psychology, sexology. I'm a specialist in sexological therapy. And as part of my, you know, postgrad specialization, I was working with clients who had trauma and, you know, just blocks sexually. And then I, I just thought to myself, okay, how how do I how do I help these people? How do I help them to reconnect? Because you cannot heal in your head what's what's happening in your body so that's why i created um, a new method of of therapy i call it the heal method and in that method we integrate biohacking methods like breath work meditation grounding looking at nutrition hormones different factors that then help you heal and help you process trauma and help you reconnect with your body so that's kind of that's kind of my my background professionally obviously i'm a biohacker i love looking into my body connecting with myself but i would say that i have a more feminine approach to biohacking because because when we hear the word biohack often we think of supplements or mind over matter and like these super hard protocols and like doing all of these this and this and this and that and performing mm, but to me biohacking is about reconnecting and i think that's what we're going to dive deeper in in today's episode definitely well beautifully said already obviously i want to talk about that connection with yourself and with others how did you because i have the feeling that all finnish people are biohacking maybe i'm biased because of the, the biohackers <laughs> but they seem like very healthy people how did you end up in biohacking because i feel that's a big part of your therapy as well i mean finnish people we definitely carry that nature gene in in our bodies so we all love to do foraging and you know picking mm. berries and you know grounding and all of these factors and also the nature can be pretty extreme you know you go from darkness to light so you need to adapt and you need to connect with with nature but for me i would say my journey into biohacking started from losing my health. I was diagnosed with endometriosis when I was 20. And at that age, it's a pretty it's a pretty big diagnosis. For those listeners who don't have no idea what endometriosis is, it's basically a medical condition where the lining of your uterus starts growing outside the uterus. And it's it's I think it's one of the top 20, top 15 most painful conditions in the world. So, and it really does impact all aspects of your life. But I was a typical, you know, 20-year-old woman. I was like, I'm strong, I'm independent. I was an athlete. I was a student. I was like, this is not going to impact me. So I would, I would literally be in severe 
pain. I would have so bad pain that I would pass out in the morning and I would still get up, go to my lecture because I didn't want that to let that affect me. And then I went through all these different hormonal treatments and and then treating the side effects of those. And I just, I just, I just had enough. It was, it, it was disconnecting me from my femininity, from my sensuality, from that womanhood, you know, because as a young woman, you're supposed to be celebrating, you're supposed to be exploring. And then, then when the source of you, the source of your womanhood becomes a problem, and then you shift into this problem fixing mode. It's like, okay, what do I do? I do this and I do that to, to fix it. That's, that's not where you want to be. And, and I think for me, I mean, there was just this one, I talked about this in, in one podcast, but this one moment in, in lying in a hospital bed, and it was just this turning, turning point for me after I had lost my health and, and there were some mistakes done. And I was just like, no, this is not how I want to live. There's more to life. Started biohacking. I think four weeks later, I was hiking in Scotland. It all, you know, going from being in such a bad state that I couldn't even walk up the stairs. So four weeks later, so I was hiking in Scotland. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I can I can elevate my health. I can do I can do all these things. And and then I started biohacking and looking at different supplements and how to support my hormones and looking into my genetics and you know optimizing my population and detox processes and and all of these things. But I think what happens for many biohackers is that you start with that superficial stuff. Okay, there's something going on in my body and I need to optimize it. And then you do and you realize that, wait, actually, this goes deeper. Actually, this is a manifestation of, of trauma that I've been carrying inside me. This is a manifestation of me being disconnected from myself. And the answer is reconnecting. And yes, the supplements help. And yes, all the protocols help. But that's at the core. It's such a long answer to your question, but that's no, how I perfect. started. That's how I started. You already made the bridge to my next question because I think that's a fundamental part of biohacking as well. I often get the question, oh, you're busy with your health. You must be very healthy. But mm -hmm. like you mentioned, it, it's to me, it's more of an intention of life. It's exactly. not the HRV that has to go up. It's more of a, a result of an intentional life. And that's something I recognize in your story as well. So I think it's beautiful that you came at that spot in your life at that moment in time where you reconnected with yourself. And I find it interesting because, of course, there's not just one moment in time where you had that connection with yourself. But mm. could you, could we explore what is it that makes biohackers want to reconnect at least you want to reconnect and how you how you get to that point because it is so easy to approach biohacking like conventional medicine to see oh i need an aspirin because i have a headache it is easy to go into biohacking and to to do the same with supplements could you yeah it's it's a hard it's hard to describe that maybe to because it's never one moment but could you elaborate more on that how to get to that point I mean, it was also a long question. <laughs> first, before I answer, I want, to, I want to give you a brief anecdote. because I, But I think it highlights just how individual biohacking is. What you mentioned about HRV and how it should go up. And in the biohacking community, we have this kind of understanding, oh, the higher the HRV, the, mm -hmm. the healthier you are. But actually, that's not necessarily the case. Because each one of us, we have an optimal range. 
and for some it's lower there you know there are differences between men and women there are differences within men and women but that's just another example that if you approach biohacking from the performance mindset and then you become obsessed with oh i need to get my hrv up and i need to be because that's a sign that i'm healthy that's actually not the case and i believe that every single biohacker defines what biohacking means to them based on their needs how do you know your needs and that's the tricky part because knowing yourself and understanding yourself requires you to pause and actually take the time to understand what's going on because like you said it's so much easier just to take a pill and say okay i have a headache now i'm gonna take you know a painkiller to to make it go away but instead of that i think biohacking is pausing to, to feel the pain okay what's going on what is this pain telling me what's causing this am i dehydrated am i tense is it a migraine type of headache you know what is it emotional pain am i having a fight with my partner am i sexually blocked you know there's so many different factors or is it a is it an autoimmune reaction to some food there's so many things that could cause that headache and then when you pause to listen to your body and understand the purpose of the pain, then you can make the changes. If it's dehydration, you can drink some electrolytes, water, rest, salt, you know? If it's emotional pain, you do journaling, you you rest, you discuss with your partner, you learn how to communicate. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but to me, biohacking is about getting to know yourself and then optimizing your life based on what you need, not what society tells you that you need not what other biohackers tell you what you need. It's about you empowering yourself through knowing yourself. I agree. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful answer. And I think it is not common to approach it like a journey. And the way you just described that sounds more like a journey to explore yourself. I think it's a, it's a way of life. It's a way of, it's a way of being. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a goal, more of an exploration. And yeah, it changes all the time. Like we, oh, sorry, please proceed. Sorry, no, saying that, like you said, there is no goal. It's a way of being. It's it's a way of life. For example, for women, we go through so many different phases. First, with menstruation, optimizing our hormones. Then, with fertility, and then pregnancy, and then you know, dealing with the hormones after that. Menopause. There's so many things also different life phases that men go through and and how you're impacted by by different environmental factors and and what's going on with your hormones and work and stress and kids and, and all of these factors so the way you biohack in your 20s looks very different to how you biohack in your 50s it does it does and it it all requires awareness of your own body and emotions i guess i find it i also find it interesting how you focus, of course, because you're a woman, on cycle-based living. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a topic that should be discussed more because, well, I'm a man. I'm not going to talk about it in, mm -hmm. for you, but obviously you go, a woman goes to, through so much. And mm -hmm. could you elaborate more on the different phases during a cycle and how you can not optimized per se, that might not be the right word, but 
how could you make the cycle serve you more instead of mm. working your way through your cycle like in, in a very harsh way could you elaborate on that more yeah i mean, I, I love that question and i think cycle-based living and for women just reconnecting with your cycle that's such a feminine form of empowerment and we've all seen the memes you know on, on social media where it's like women one week you're super horny and you just want to rip your partner's clothes off and then the next week the way that you irritate you like you cannot stand cannot even stand their presence and that's all related to your hormones men go through this circadian rhythm with hormones so basically you 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 I say your state changes throughout the day, but it's pretty similar every single day. But then for women, on top of that circadian rhythm, we have an infradian rhythm. The average cycle length is 28 days, but for women, it really varies from, you know, between 20, from 21 to 35 days. So you can imagine the kind of shifts that the women go through in their, in their cycles. And I guess the best way to describe a menstrual cycle is by First, starting with the period, and that's when you bleed. That's when your hormones are low. That's when your energy is low. There might be a bit of you know bloating and cramps and and inflammation. So during that time, that's the best time for introspection. You know, going inwards, reflecting. In terms of work, it's better to rest or kind of do lighter tasks for the first few days. In terms of exercise, that's a that's a good time to rest, not push your body, because you're literally printing, you're, you're literally 3D printing an organ. This is something we don't really discuss that much. But women, women produce an organ every single month, and it takes work. And yes, women, can, you know, there are all these campaigns, oh, women can do, we can, we can run marathons on our periods, and we can run governments. Yes, we can, but do you necessarily need to push yourself? So I think a part of cycle-based living is just knowing that, okay, I don't need to perform the same every day. And when you take that time during your period to rest and recover, and then you enter follicular phase after that, and your hormones start to rise, and oh, it's so exciting, and you feel so good in your body, and you're full of ideas, and you know your worker, your workers are going so well. This is the best time to plan, be creative. You know, schedule schedule things for your ovulation. So, for example, what I like to do is, you know, use the follicular phase for for planning, creation, and so on. And then my ovulatory ovulatory phase is for all my meetings, podcast interviews, all of these things. So I schedule them there when possible because that's when I feel super energized. I feel like I'm shining, you know, I got that sparkle. And that's what women feel. And also, you know, our libido follows that cycle. So during menstruation, you don't really have that desire. And then follicular phase kicks in. And it's, like, mm, it's delicious. You feel that vibrance, that force, that energy. And at ovulation, it's that peak. And that's the best time, you know, to explore, connect with your partner. And then after ovulation, you go down a bit. You, you know, you go from that excitement, from climax to a bit more resting phase in your luteal phase. And that's when, that's when your body prepares for menstruation again. So you don't feel that desire as much. You might, might feel a bit sluggish. But actually, when you balance your hormones, luteal phase is the perfect time for executing tasks. So in follicular phase, you plan, and then luteal phase, you, you execute. In terms of training, 
you should not push yourself too hard in luteal phase. So for example, I, in luteal phase, I train in the afternoon. Follicular phase is in the morning, kicking ass, grinding hard, luteal phase, a bit more relaxed. And by knowing my body, by knowing my cycle, I can perform at a much higher level and enjoying the grind, enjoying the work that I do. And, you know, I do work a lot and I'm passionate about what I do. But when it comes from love, when it comes from connectedness, it comes from such a different place than than burning myself out and, and trying to perform and trying to fight against my body and push it to do things that it's not supposed to do. And I think for women, reconnecting with your cycle is the key not only optimizing your performance to optimizing your or elevating your biohacking but it really is about learning to love yourself as you are and understanding that femininity and this is something we need as a society we need to understand that femininity and womanhood is not a weakness it's a strength and we all have some healing to do when it comes to femininity reconnecting with those aspects of ourselves it's such a great insight i find it so interesting that if you work with it you can actually not in a performance state but not in a performance way but you can actually get more out of it in a more mm -hmm. meaningful way uh, during your days during your weeks during your period and i also think that if you are more loving to yourself when you are in your period for example that will that intention will also flow in the rest of your life if you exactly. take care of yourself in the down times if i mm -hmm. am allowed to call it a downtime <laughs> yes i mean you can call it downtime or whatever but i guess my point is that you know i went from being barely able to function for half of the month and just being in, in debilitating pain and now into celebrating my cycle, celebrating my womanhood, celebrating my femininity and the hormonal fluctuations, they don't need to be seen as something that makes you weak or, you know, women are hormonal, is she on her period, you know, all of these things. Yes, you can be hormonal and yes, you can feel tired during your period and that does not make you weak, that makes you a woman and it's normal to feel that way. The problem is that now as a society, we don't value that. And we see that as a sign of weakness and we need to need to change that. I think also for, for men, just understanding that women are cyclical and understanding women's cycle helps you become a better man, helps you understand your partner, helps you support them in, in what they need and help elevate that connection through that such a simple thing makes such a big difference instead of wondering like okay so yesterday she was all about me and then today nothing <laughs> instead of being confused by that and feeling rejected you understand okay now she's in her luteal phase so her desire is lower there's nothing to do with me how can we connect in a way that suits us both because, I mean, and we're going to talk about sex and different ways of connecting, but there's so many ways to build intimacy that do not include sex. Sex is actually a pretty small part 
And I love the fact that, you know, I because I talk about sex, it's not actually about sex at all. It's about connecting, it's about intimacy. And there are so many forms of that. I think the more we understand it, the more we expand it, the better we feel about ourselves and, and in our relationships. Again, that is beautifully put. I always get very excited when we can compare things to nature, to the things go in harmony. And that's also why I wanted to talk to you today is because preparing for this podcast, I obviously had to think about what does sex mean for me? And mm. I did not come any further than a connection between two people. The physical act for me was what I would came up with is the physical act was just an outcome of the connection that happens before the physical act. I hope that makes sense. And this, this whole podcast is built around how to take away from what is happening so that we can flow more in that what do we want to do whether it's making music or having sex or cooking or investing mm. to me it's all the same creating the right environment and environment sounds not mm -hmm. very sexy but creating the right environment oh, it does it definitely does okay good i'll leave that in <laughs> but talking about creating the right environment i also think that biohacking can really enhance that and you talked about the 28 day cycle how do you design your day to do okay let me think about the right words for that to flow from the one cycle to the other instead of being from one rigid period to another that was not the right word <laughs> from one cycle to the other how do you flow from those periods and then talking mm. about morning routine maybe afternoon evening routine i can imagine that they differ but you have some basics to elaborate on mm -hmm. so the way i function is that i i look at my cycle as one chapter the average woman has 13 cycles in a year so instead of this weekly calendar i mean i do live by this weekly calendar and the yearly calendar but i have a calendar and i map out my my cycle and I'm like, okay, now I'm in my menstruation. So now it's all about kind of clearance, letting go and ending things. That's the correct term, but like ending the cycle. Because it's funny how in, in the medical terms, it's seen that your cycle starts from your menstruation. And to me, I, I feel like that's the end. That's the yeah. end of it. But really, they chose to look at your menstruation as the start because it's an easy you know, sign of your cycle. But the way I see it, I see it more as an ending of a chapter. And then I see, okay, here I'm in my follicular phase. Here is my expected ovulation. Obviously, I track my cycle with, you know, the biometrics from wearables. And I measure my temperature orally every morning. Yeah, so I look at my, here I'm in my follicular. Here's my ex expected ovulation. Here's my luteal phase. What's happening for me next month? And then I, and then I put things okay, here's what I did this, here's when I did this. And obviously, you know, there are times when I, I can't schedule all my podcast interviews for my ovulation. That's just part of life. But I think the key is to knowing your cycle. And know, like, okay, now I'm in my luteal phase. So this means that I often I feel this way so I can be kind to myself. And I can, you know, I, I love to say the sentence is that every single day we do our best. 
and every single day our best looks different. So that's that's how I plan my life. But also feel that especially for us women, we need to leave room for spontaneity because it's not it's not just about your face of cycle. It's also about how you sleep, how you eat, how you actually feel in your body that impacts your performance. And it's it's this constant reconnecting that you do and then you live your life accordingly. Sometimes you need to push yourself to finish a big project or you know, you you talk on stage or you, you have these big things that you need to accomplish. So then you push yourself and then you schedule rest. But if you want to go specifically into those routines, what I like to talk about in podcasts is especially reconnecting with that sexual energy, tapping into that sensuality that we all can do, that are such simple tools that really set your day. So one one example is sensual dance in the morning. It sounds so simple and yet it's so powerful. Really by taking one song each morning, you can listen to it. I, I've created a playlist. I can I can add the link here so then your listeners can access it. But either doing it naked or fully clothed, but you tune into the music and you listen to your body and see, okay, what sound resonates with me today? What do I feel like? What energy do I want to cultivate? And it can be a bit softer, can be a bit kind of calmer, and you tune and you can try different kinds of touches and or massage and stroking and and moving. You can close your eyes or or you can look into the mirror and just create that moment of love with your body. Because so often we look into the mirror and you're like, okay, this is what I would want to change. Oh, I look a bit tired and you know what's what's going on or with women, especially during menstruation, it's like, oh I look so bloated and you know, but what if you took what if you took three minutes to appreciate yourself, to appreciate your body, not think about anything, not think about the day that's coming, but really just connecting. So simple and it's so powerful. And what I've noticed is that this can also be a bit triggering. And that's why I want to say this to your listeners, especially if you have trauma or you feel very disconnected from your body. So the first steps when you take into that, and especially men, men tell me that they struggle with this at first, but then they do it. It's like, whoa, whoa, what is this? This is a whole new world. Because the idea for a lot of men is like, wait a minute. So I'm supposed to listen to some music, close my eyes and dance naked, just alone. And it's like, what? And then you do it and it's like, whoa. Is this just like, can I feel this in my in my body? And I, and I think it comes from because a lot of men perceive their sexuality through their ability as a lover, through their ability to please women, you know, and then you try all these different things and, you know, you, you look for instructions from porn and you drive, you know, all of these different things. But what if your sexuality could be for you? And what if you could enjoy yourself just as you are? I believe that is a very beautiful perspective. It, it, it's a completely different perspective. Just like you said, that sex is usually associated with performance. Mm -hmm. But the way you put it, it is something that could serve you as an individual, not only as a couple, for example, so that you're not missing something when you are alone in your sexuality. I think the dance is a 
pretty good start of the day. I might use mm. <laughs> in my next morning. I don't know, we all should do it. And I think also what you said earlier about kind of how you understand sex or what sex means to you. And what most people answer is that sex, you know, is, is a physical way of connecting between two people or or more people or, you know. But what if we looked at sex just as a form of communication, as a form of connecting? And it has different dimensions. So one dimension is for yourself, your connection with your body and your pleasure. And, and enjoying yourself and self-pleasure is such an important part of healing and reconnecting and getting to know yourself. It's like, oh, what do I like? What kind of touch do I like? What turns me on? Where in my body do I feel pleasure? And then what I hear from from people often is that, but but self-pleasure is is different. I feel like there's something lacking when I'm just by myself versus when I'm with another human being. But that's exactly what it's supposed to be, you know? These are two different dimensions of sex. One is for you to explore. This is your space. And then you you shift from that to connecting with another human being. And that, that can be so incredibly powerful and integrating and, and beautiful. But it can also be one of the most disconnecting and emptying experiences of your life. And it really depends on how connected you are with yourself and your ability to connect with another human being. And right now we live in this situationship and, and dating culture where most people look for love from places where it's not necessarily found. You know, one night stand, and I have nothing against one night stands, just, just want to highlight this. It's just a challenge that we have within the society at the moment when most people actually crave for deep connection. They crave to be seen, to be heard, to be loved and accepted, but that also scares them the most. Because, you know, like I say, sex is not actually about sex. It's where our primary needs meet our primary fear. So then you want to connect and you want to feel loved and you want to feel good. Then you're so afraid of rejection. It's like, ah, oh, that's death. You're so afraid of abandonment. Like, oh, if I really let them see me, if I really connect, if I show up authentically in this sex and I tell them what I actually really like, they're going to leave me. They're not going to accept me. And that's why sex is so tricky. It can be so beautiful and then horrible at the same time. And that's why we need to learn the skills to, to navigate it, to, to build those connections together. Well said. From what I hear from you, you're, of course, you are a sexologist, but more maybe also more of a, a life therapist who creates the right <laughs> circumstances. Maybe that's my new title, life yeah. therapist. <laughs> I, I love that. I'll, I'll put um, that on my title now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because if you approach sex in such a holistic way, yeah, it is not actually about the sex, that it will flow into the sex if you create the right circumstances. You mentioned self-love and having love with yourself. I heard Andrew Huberman said that when you masturbate, when you're alone, that creates some type of open loop. And I think that overlaps with what you were saying, that it can be very dangerous because you want to... Maybe it's the difference between 
wanting to climax or exploring mm -hmm. the possibility of a climax. I don't know if if that makes sense. Exactly. I mean, because he said that there was some kind of. Sorry, continue. No, I, I'm, it's it's exactly what you said. It it really depends on how you approach it. Right now, for example, what what masturbation is to to many, I guess I could say to many men, is you look at porn and then you do it as fast as possible, as effectively as possible, and then the the, the goal is really to come just to get that released. But what if you approached it as a moment just for yourself connecting with your body trying different touch trying different types of touch on yourself it it sounds like such a foreign concept or what if you used your imagination instead of porn it's a whole it's a whole different dimension it's it's similar to sex and i mean i think we should celebrate also these different dimensions oh I'd love to share a story because it's it's real. I think it really highlights the kind of mm -hmm. our understanding of different dimensions of sex. I once I, I had a client, and I'm I'm sharing this with permission, and I'm sharing it anonymously. But she 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 struggled with sex a lot in the past, and it was like difficulty to to let people close and, and intimate. And then she found this amazing partner, and uh, and they discovered tantra together. So, so what they did is they started doing these marathon tantra sessions every single evening, you know, four hour marathon sessions every single evening. Wow. And then one time she, she came, she came to her session. She was like, Anna, I'm so exhausted. Like, like what, like this sexual empowerment is so exhausting. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to keep up with this. I was like, okay, let's 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 talk about this. Let's 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 break it down. And the uh, first question is like, well, why why do you need to have these four hour like tantric marathon sessions every single night? Like, because we're sexually empowered. Like that's that's what we do. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, okay. So what does it mean to be sexually empowered? And then you know we break it down. And it was just this idea that they had discovered. It's like okay. So now that now we're super cool, now that we're exploring with sex and we're doing these sessions, that's when we're fully connected. That's when we're integrating and that's when we are empowered. But I think sexual empowerment comes from understanding that there's so many different dimensions to sex and to your sexuality. And yes, you can have these marathon tantric sessions and really enjoy and connect with your partner, but you can have a five minute quickie this sigh of relief and that's what you need in that moment it's just about connecting with yourself connecting with your partner to understand what you need in that moment and i think that applies to self-pleasure as well you can abstain from it you can kind of hold on to that sexual energy especially for men if you feel it's emptying or if you feel that it's it's distracting yes you can do that but also for for many men, it's it's problematic and it causes them more challenges than benefits. So you need to know yourself and you need to know what benefits you, not just in sex, but in, in all aspects of life. That's very interesting and very funny as well. And I think that is a nice segue from connecting with yourself to connecting with your partner or partner or maybe just that one woman or man for that one night, of course, that, mm -hmm. that is, that's your preference, of course, it can also be good. But I find it interesting that that sexual empowerment and 
checking in with yourself, it it feels like a narrow path to walk on since they, how can you align those paths? Because is it more like when I go out for a run and a friend wants me to run with him, I usually decline because we are not on the same pace. Is it the same mm. with sexual desire, sexual empowerment, energy, or some sort of alignment? How do you connect so that you are running on the same pace with each other? Mm. Oh, I love that. Oh, mm. I absolutely love how you put it. Yes. Mm. That's perfect. It's It's all about learning your own rhythm. For example, in running, learning learning what distance you like to run and how that changes every day. Sometimes you feel a bit more tired. Sometimes you feel a bit more energetic. Sometimes you want to go to the distance. You want to enjoy the sunset. And sometimes you just want to do a quick spurt, you know? And then finding a partner who, who runs with you. And on some days, you might run a different path. You might run on your own. And then the next day, it's like, hey, let's run together. Sometimes you have a set path, like, okay, this we're doing this lap today. And sometimes it's like, hey, let's, let's just go into the forest and see where we find ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I'll hmm. borrow that from you. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I do think that is a nice way to think of it. But of course, that comes with a lot of hurdles as well if we, if we stay in the running. <laughs> yeah. Because I can imagine that on the surface, it is not always very clear, maybe because I did not do the self-exploration or the other person did not explore themselves enough. Or what I wanted to say is that on the surface, you cannot always see if you're on the right race. I can imagine that over time you want to change pace with your partner and I think it is difficult to stay on the same pace. Do you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it's only natural that it changes. If we stay with the, <laughs> the running theme, different factors impact how fast we run, how long we run throughout our, our lives, but to stay on the same pace with your partner, it really comes down to wanting to be at the same pace. I mean, at first, when, when you're choosing a partner, when you're connecting, it comes down to recognizing and understanding that, hey, this is a partner I could run with. You know, oh my God, I love it because people say a partner <laughs> in crime, partner in run. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you, you recognize the person like, hey, we could, we could run in the same direction. But then, you know, over time, things can happen and things don't necessarily always work out. And I think also what we need as a society is to understand and expand our perception of what love is, what, what sex is. Because not every person you meet is the love of your life. That's just the reality. But that doesn't mean that the connection you share is not meaningful or is inferior in some way. I think that you can have beautiful connections with human beings. And there's this kind of concept that you need to heal yourself before you can be in a relationship. And I buy into that to, to some degree. But I also believe, and that's what science says, is that 
you cannot heal relationship wounds on your own. So finding a partner with whom you can heal, with whom you can elevate, with whom you can learn. Because also with running, you start and you're, you're really bad at it. Like you don't know which pace, you don't know how far, you don't know how to recover, you don't know what supplements to take. It's the same with sex. It takes skill. It takes time to learn about yourself and learn what turns you on. It takes time to learn your partner and communicate like, hey, this really turns me on when you touch me this way. I really feel safe when you do this. Or I need, I need you to do this for me to feel safe, to let go. Or when you do this, I feel supported. When you do this, I feel sexy. Or like, how can I make you feel sexy? You know, it takes, it takes skill. And you need to learn that. And then when you learn that, you need to keep practicing. It's not like riding a bike. Well, kind of. You, you learn, you know how to ride a bike, but, but then... You'll remember the basics. <laughs> you remember the basics, but there's room for growth. And, you know, you can advance and, and elevate. But it all comes down to connecting and wanting to connect. Interesting. So I think that if the basics are right, when the intention is, I want to run with this partner, that you can can run some miles together, and then you can decide along the way, wait, this might not be it, or we can proceed and learn and improve our running techniques and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. And, and also, we have this idea that oh, breakups are horrible and, you know, then you never speak to the person again or, you know, they're an asshole. That doesn't need to be the case because when you're connected and then you act from love, all you want is good for the other person and you could share a beautiful connection. But then knowing yourself and knowing the other person is like, hey, this was fun, but maybe this doesn't work in the long run. We have different paces. We have different desires. And then you can let go. Or if if the person is someone, okay, I want to grow with them. This is this is someone I, I want to walk in the same direction. And then you then you learn how to walk together. And that takes difficult discussions. That takes, you know, learning how to navigate through conflicts. Because sex will not keep your relationship together. No matter how amazing it is in the beginning, sex will not enough it's actually how you navigate through conflict how you navigate through the difficulties how you support each other how you connect with each other how you make each other feel seen and accepted that's what makes you want to stay in the relationship and that's what makes you grow also as a human being as an individual we rarely talk about the benefits of relationships for our personal growth we like to talk about you know the other way around how you do personal growth and then you have this amazing relationship but it, it goes both ways. I agree. It goes both ways indeed. And what I find, what I also find interesting is that I will use the metaphor for the last time now. But <laughs> if you want to run with somebody, if you want to have sex with somebody, I can imagine that in the connecting process before picking a running mate, your judgment can be clouded because of trauma and that yeah. you you talk a lot about attachment styles and mm -hmm. a way of connecting when i speak for myself i mean i have a youth as well and <laughs> my youth hugely impacted my women yeah. of choice mm -hmm. and the difficult part 
in that for me and i think for a lot of people is that the familiarity with picking those partners you pick based on your youth how do you make that shift because from pers healthy per se to something that is not as yeah yeah some somebody you can run a marathon with that was the last time mm, well i guess i could give a brief introduction first to attachment styles so that then mm -hmm. the yeah. listeners who are not familiar with them understand what we're talking about basically attachment styles just describe different ways we have in coping in relationships and often they're formed in childhood in relation to how our parents took care of us but what i want to highlight is that they're not set in stone there's so much flexibility that you can do you can work on things and in many ways we all portray traits from each attachment style however we do have one dominant attachment style so for example people with avoidant attachment they're the hyper independent you know strong strong independent women and men and you know they're often high performance and really successful but so so scared of intimacy they are the people who run rather than face conflict and that's i think that's the best way to describe them they get you know anxiety about feeling or feeling trapped in a relationship it's like oh oh what's going on and you want to keep your options a little bit open and then the opposite of that is the anxious attachment oh oh boy they crave that external validation they need to feel loved they they you know even if it depends on how kind of i don't want to say severe it is but how how anxious it is but even if if their partner leaves the room and then they they get that response in their nervous system it's like Ooh, okay they're going to abandon me they're so afraid of abandonment so if avoidant people are afraid of rejection so anxious people are very afraid of abandonment and then often they feel that they love their partner more than their partner loves them and then they can get this feeling of resentment oh they didn't meet my needs they didn't make me feel loved oh i love them but it's like oh you know and then a combination of the two it's like oh best of both worlds is a disorganized attachment style and that often comes when there's severe childhood trauma so then you're both avoidant of relationships because you're terrified of them but then you're also anxious and you crave that validation and you avoid you know you avoid intimacy but you crave it at the same time and and in all of these attachments style sex is key because sex is often used as a tool to connect because that's really the only way you think about intimacy it's like intimacy sex okay to avoid people i avoid sex or i have superficial sex because i don't want to get too intimate and then anxious people it's like oh I'm having sex with them they must love me now i feel loved and now this is what i'm this is what i'm having and disorganized are just confused because it's like okay i'm scared of sex but i'm having sex to feel that validation and then you feel a bit okay why did i do that why did i break my boundary and it sounds like a kind of horrible mix but we all have these traits we all know that we all carry them from from childhood and I think also what's not spoken about enough is that different people bring out different traits in us. So for example, let's say you have an avoidant attachment style or you know you you're a bit you're a little bit scared of intimacy and you want that connection and you meet a partner who's extremely avoidant. I'm telling you, you become anxious. 
you you get that and oh are they are they leaving me why are they not responding to me they bring out those traits in you and also for an anxious person if you if you meet a partner who's even more anxious than you they crave constant validation and they can't leave your side you feel a bit oh suffocated like okay what's 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 going on here i need so it as as important it is to understand yourself and your attachment style it's important to understand how other people impact you like i said we all carry these traits and then understanding where you are like i said i've made some instagram posts i can also add a link to your listeners so they can test their dominant attachment style but understanding where you are and what your challenges are in building connection then you can move towards a secure attachment and that means that you are independent but you're able to ask for help you're able to receive help without feeling guilty you're able to build intimacy you're able to connect and have sex, enjoy sex without necessarily using it as a tool for for intimacy, for closeness, for validation. But it's about connection and, and communication. And and that's what, you know, we all have the power to to move towards building secure attachment and to, to building nourishing and flourishing relationships. It just it takes work, which not everyone is prepared to do. But I think more and more people are waking up to the fact that, for example, they have personal trainers, nutrition coaches, doctors, professional coaches, and then your relationship is just messed up. And that's the main predictor of your health. That's the main predictor of your longevity. You know, loneliness is more harmful than smoking. And then we pay so much attention into all of these areas of life and relationship is just like this, this black box. And that we're now slowly starting to open up and understanding that the true power of them. I think it does come off as a black box for a lot of people because it requires a lot of vulnerability like you mm. are able to describe. Because I feel like this in this society, it is more of an end goal to mm. have sex, but to be really intimate with each other, I think... It requires to look into yourself, into the darkness as well, and to take care of yourself and the other person. And what I also would like to talk about with you is the polarity between femininity and masculine. Mm. I think that is an overlooked topic to me. I mean, maybe it is among men more uh, less talked about, but the importance of that polarity and that it exists both inside us so mm. the, the, the feminine and the masculine side could you talk more about the importance of knowing that in yourself and what it even means for men and women mm. i mean masculine and feminine energies they're just this kind of universal energies that we just put this label this is masculine this is feminine that we all carry within ourselves like like you said healthy Healthy masculine represents this stability, safety, leadership, execution, and these traits that then the feminine needs to feel safe. Because then feminine is all about spontaneity, flow, intuition, groundedness, vision, creativity, this overflow. So I, I love this metaphor that the people use that feminine energy is the water. 
it's the life force and it's, it's flowing and it's shifting form and the masculine energy is the container whether it's a it's a glass it's mm. the it's the lake it's it's the kind of boundaries that then help the feminine energy flourish and to be in its full essence if you have either of them too much that's not good because you, you shift out of balance and right now what we see oh we could talk another hour about this whole whole topic but but i'll i'll try to be brief what we see right now is a lot of toxic masculine toxic feminine kind of fighting against each other toxic masculine is very controlling fear-based very you know, ego-based success driven and toxic femininity is this complaining gossiping victim mode and right now it's kind of everyone's fighting about who's who's having it more difficult i don't know if that makes sense and it, it sounds a bit abstract but if we elaborate from there and we look at how society functions for example we go to you know the working world and what happens there is that a lot of women need to abandon these feminine sides of themselves same goes to men you go in you know the office culture you need to be masculine you're not going to cry you're not going to be insecure you're not going to be flowy and you know full of ideas because you're going to execute you're going to be very effective in you know you're going to do all these things and what happens is that then we live in this world where we're all kind of hyper masculine and disconnected from that feminine and then that leads to a culture where it's like fake it till you make it and more ego driven and you don't really let people close because they're going to hurt you and, and and all of these factors and in many ways i think the answer is to reconnect with the feminine you know and it sounds simple but imagine imagine if all men felt safe to tap into their emotions to emotionally connect with each other to emotionally connect with women imagine if women felt safe to surrender into the flow without being in that survival mode and having to be in control of everything and, and succeeding and executing imagine if you were able to, to surrender connect with yourself and learn to love yourself through who you are instead of the role you're playing because right now everyone is playing a role that's how the society functions we're playing a role at workplace we're playing a role at relationships we're playing a role you know with sex we're playing different roles with ourselves but imagine if we could build a world for example where where you go to the office and then you know linda from the office comes and she asks you like hey hey how are you and instead of saying like oh my god yeah i'm so good i just closed the deal and i'm running these excels and oh it's so good you would say yeah thanks for asking i'm having a really difficult time in my relationship right now and i feel blocked and i i feel a bit lost but besides all of that work is going well thanks <laughs> imagine how that would change the entire culture where we could we could be ourselves because we would, would be connected and we could connect with each other and we would understand that actually we're all kind of trying to figure things out we all have challenging times we all experience pain and that does not make us weak or unlovable or worse than some other people it makes us human 
And when we understand that, we can be humans together. We can connect with the masculine, we can connect with the feminine. You know, for example, I, I'm sometimes, I'm in very much in my masculine energy when I'm working. I'm building things and, you know, at these meetings and setting boundaries and executing. And then I love being in my feminine, going, you know, just connecting in nature and feeling the flow and being creative and especially with sensuality. We can have that, but in order to have that, we need to reconnect with ourselves and each other. And we need to create an authentic culture where we feel safe to be ourselves. I think I have to quit podcasting because the answer to everything is reconnecting with yourself. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> when you want to make healthy choices, it's always the same. So yeah. I think that's that's funny because I think society asks from us to work in a very linear way of living, but like mm. a very rigid line from from here to here where you are not allowed to deviate from and i think it should be more like a sine wave and i think riding different I think waves you, uh, yeah exactly you go to the left you go to the right it doesn't matter how you want to put it left masculine right feminine left mm -hmm. creative or you name it i think mm -hmm. it, it should be more it should be possible that we are not same person every day and exactly. i think that is a healthy way to to look at it in a more practical way to for the for the couples that are in a longer relationship mm -hmm. i have friends in longer relationships you see a lot of people divorcing nowadays how do you keep it sexy for the long run mm, i mean that that's a complex question in in many ways because like Let's start with communication, maybe. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But I mean, if we go back, so we look at what's going on in the society. And so we have disconnected people in performance mindset, just kind of role playing through life. And, and then you choose a partner from that mindset when you don't really know yourself that well. And then your partner might not know themselves that well. And then you get together and you have a beautiful time for the first, for the first few years. Then, then the foundation starts to crack when you realize, like, wait, what do I actually want from life? What do, like, who am I? What's, what's, what's happening with my, with my partner? And often unresolved trauma surfaces around, you know, after the age of 35 or in your 40s. And that's when you, when you start to question everything. So really the key for Building and maintaining a nourishing relationship, it's such a cliche, but it, but it really comes down to wanting to do that, wanting to connect and working through things together and understanding that you go through different phases. Like with, you know, women's cycle, you have more desire other times of the month than on other times of the month. You go through different life phases. You might have children. Your sex life looks completely different during that time when you have young children versus when when you don't. It's all about adapting and building that connection from the place where you're at. Practical steps that I will take is take one hour every week. If that's too much, take 30 minutes every week. If that's too much, take 15 minutes to just be present with each other. 
yourself, like, hey, how do you feel today? How do you feel in this connection? How do you feel about our sex life? What would you want to change or what would you want to add? What would make you feel wanted? What would make you feel loved? And just by doing that, taking that moment of pausing together, that can be powerful on its own. But it takes effort and it takes knowing who you are, knowing who you're becoming. And it takes a lot of growth. When you do that, it's, it's very powerful. And then there's so many ways that you can expand from that, how you can expand sex together, how you can expand communication about sex together, pleasure, how you can learn how to navigate through conflicts. All of these things you can learn, but you need to want to learn to do it. And you need to want to learn to do it together. If not, it's very difficult, if not impossible. And that's also okay. Sometimes you go separate ways and like we discussed earlier, you can you can do that with love. Not the end of the world. Love is always there. It just shifts it form. Interesting. And I find it beautiful that you say that it takes work because obviously mm -hmm. you are the expert on this, but stimu different stimuli don't have the same effect when you repeat them mm -hmm. over time. And it takes effort to explore maybe new stimuli or something and mm. what i find interesting is that at that point people tend to well that's over generalizing sorry but a lot of people tend to find that boring like it's not working anymore but you were not mm. exactly working in the first place it was just nice until that moment and then work started mm -hmm. to occur i see that it People find it challenging to start the work and schedule mm -hmm. sex once a week, for example. Like, it's not it's not an appointment, right? Yeah, and I mean, oh, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about when it comes to relationships and so on. And but really, I think we need to let go of this idea that you you find the love of your life and it's this Hollywood story, and then you live happily ever after. Because the reality is that within a long relationship, you have many different relationships, so to speak. And it changes over time. And, and you change as people, your hormones change, your bodies change. So that's why you, you always need to get to know that new person, that new version of your loved one and, and of yourself. And yes, scheduling sex. I don't know, some people say it's boring. I don't think so. The challenge with it is that, especially for women, you can't really predict your desire that well, unless you do cycle-based living. And then you know that, okay, these two weeks of the month, that's that's when, when I feel desire. So maybe schedule sex during those times and fully embrace it and enjoy it and, and feel and really connect with each other. And then other times when you don't, necessarily feel that desire and also i just want to highlight that we focus on women a lot here when we talk about desire and kind of the cycle that changes but men go through shifts too like men are men are not always horny it's shocking to it's shocking to hear because we have this idea <laughs> men are always horny but that's not the case but the point is that there's so many ways to build intimacy and actually you know if if, if you think about connecting with a new human being the sex might not be the most intimate thing you share. It could be, you know, the moment when you look into each other's eye, you hold each other, you know, you, you hold each other close 
you cuddle, you don't don't have sex. You feel such a strong connection. You're revealing your soul to the person, your heart to the person, and that's very intimate. Sex can be very intimate if you make it so, but it's just about understanding how you want to connect with each human being. You know, see what you connect. We make a decision. You walk down the street. You see thousands of people. You don't connect, you know, you know, not every single one of them is the love of your life. You see them, you acknowledge them, and you connect on some level. But it's about learning, okay, this person is someone I want to hold close. This person is someone I want to grow with. And, and that's the key to, to a happy life, to a happy relationship, or, or many of them. Again, it comes down, like you said earlier, to go from performance to exploration i guess to finding the connection Connection. instead of yeah Yeah. exactly i think we have not covered all of it but i think we have (laughs) a nice how can we describe what we have uh, formulated here introduction overview exactly this kind of little sparks of the topic and yeah exactly we could podcast for like three to four hours and we might do that in the future to dive deeper i think it is such a broad topic to discover it's a lifelong exploration i guess i wanted to end this this conversation with a question and that is what would you want people to ask themselves in this discovery wow I love that question, but to choose one is challenging. I guess I would go, we've talked a lot about connecting with our bodies. I guess I would go with that. And it's just tune tune into your body every day. Like, how do I feel in my body? Such a simple question, and yet so forgotten. I think that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. question, because I feel like everything you spoke about comes from that place mm-hmm. yeah connecting it's not exactly. about mind over matter it's not about eating when you should eat it's about learning to know when you're hungry learning to know what turns you on learning to know what you need to feel safe not only just to think that you are safe but all of these factors it, it comes from connecting yeah beautiful is there something else you want to share with the listeners mm-hmm. i just I just hope that you all take one tiny moment for yourself every day. Tune into that song or just tune into your body, tune into your mind and, and build that loving relationship with yourself through that. Because, and not because you need to, not because I'm telling you, but because you want to, because you deserve to. Then enjoy the benefits of it. Great message. I want to thank you for all of your knowledge for your energy because like i said in the Mm. invitation knowledge is one thing but i feel like you truly embody it i've met you on the summit and you glow your knowledge (laughs) so thank you so much and you also have a beautiful course please Mm -hmm. Um, how can people find you on the course and on social media yeah well on social media it's heal with anna yeah just slide into my DMs. I love to discuss these topics and help in, in any way I can. I work with clients individually. If you if people really want to dive deep into the journey, 
So via the heal method, right now I'm fully booked, but I do open new places in, well, for July. So if people want to do that, they can, they can reach out. And yes, I created the Biohacking Love and Relationships course with Biohacker Center. And I feel like that's a great starting point into reconnecting, you know, learning about your body, learning about your anatomy, learning about your partner, learning how to enhance arousal, how to enhance sex, and then really learning to communicate, learning, learning how to heal and connect. So I definitely recommend, I definitely recommend that as a, as a starting place for those who, who want to embark on this journey. If you, and I'm talking to the listener right now, if you ever have trouble, troubles with, with connecting with yourself, connecting with your partner, enhancing your sex life, please follow Anna. And Anna, I would like to thank you for this conversation and hope we'll, we can do it again in the near future. We'll definitely do that. Thank you so much. An amazing day. You too.